Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we're picking up where we left off. Last week, we're in a series called The End, and we're talking about the end times. And if you missed last week, let me encourage you, go back and watch last week after today. Um, Because some of you may be like, I'm not understanding some of these things. Go back and watch last week after today. If you have the app, open the app. I have over 25 scripture references. I have six points. I had nine. I've narrowed it down. So I'm going to have to stick to my notes a lot today. I cannot chase rabbits um, because we will never get out of here if I start. Um, As I said last week, there's no way, there's no way in three weeks I'm going to answer every question that you have about the end times. There's just no way. I, I, I won't even hit on everything. Um, There's going to be questions that you have that I don't get to, and there's going to be questions that you have. I'm just, I'm honest, right? I'm not going to get up here and fake it. I may not know it. Um, And so I I just want to let you know, if your answers don't, if your questions don't get answered, let me encourage you not to go to YouTube and go down that wormhole. Um, Because just because somebody's talking like they know what they're talking about, that don't mean it. Just look at politics. Um, So, If you have the FC app, open it. If you've got pen and paper, that's your jive and that's your jam. Man, get ready to go because your hand's going to cramp. But uh, today I want to talk to you a little bit today about something that I just really struggled to put this message together. And the reason is because there's a lot of weight to it. Um, and, And before we get into the message today, I don't mean any of this message and don't want any of this message to come across in a harsh, mean-spirited, or ugly way. But Foundation Church, here's what we are in desperate need in our culture. We have to speak the truth in love. Like, we have to talk about the truth, and we have to talk about reality, and we have to talk about eternal things way more than we're talking about temporary things. And so today, understand, uh, this message comes from a heart of love and concern as your pastor, and today I want to talk to you about the reality of heaven and hell, the reality of heaven and hell. The Pew Research Center asked Americans on November 23rd, 2021, how many believed in heaven and hell? And here are the results. Out of um, the results, only 61% of Americans believe in both heaven and hell. Let that sink in for just a second. I'm not great at math, but here's what I do know. That means almost 40%, right? Pretty good there. Almost 40% of Americans don't believe in the reality that there is a heaven or hell. 26% believe in neither heaven or hell, and 17% of those 26% don't believe in any afterlife. So today, we're going to be talking about these stats, and not what you believe, not what you feel, but what does the Bible say? Because I want us to realize we are now a culture that only 60% of our country believes in the reality of heaven and hell. Like 60%, and that may be on the liberal side now, knowing that this, 
this uh, 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 study was done through three years ago. And we need to have a biblical understanding about heaven and hell and not an emotional understanding or how I feel about it. So, so let's do a real quick review from last week. Last week we talked about the rapture and how the rapture is different from the second coming. Um, This is a study on eschatology. Eschatology is a fancy word for a study on the end times. What is the end times? The end times is when Jesus comes back, the rapture happens, the tribulation occurs, there's a thousand year reign, then the second coming, the great white throne judgment, and some of you are like, what are you talking about? We'll slow it down in just a second. But last week we talked about the rapture occurring. What the rapture is, is when Jesus comes back in the clouds and we that are on the earth that remain, we that are believers that are followers of Christ, right? We go up in the air to meet him. That is separate from the second coming. Um, There is several scripture references for this. I would point you to 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13 and 18 and 1 Corinthians 15 verse 51 through 52 and verse 58 as they refer to the rapture of the church. After the rapture of the church, the tribulation, that is a period of seven years, if you're a pre-trib believer, um, happens. Three and a half of those years, the first three and a half years are going to be good years, are going to be thriving years. And then the next three and a half years are going to get nasty, right? Um, It's going to be a horrible time to be on this earth. It's going to be a horrible time to be on this planet. Then the second coming of Jesus will happen. This is when Jesus returns to the earth with the saints. There will be a thousand year reign and the great white throne judgment occurs at the end of this time. And this is recorded in the book of Revelation. And our main passage today is going to be found in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. Everybody's still with me today. Everybody's still on the train track. Okay, we're good. We're good. And it says this, and I saw a great white throne and one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So so we're going to just study this passage for the first few points. And out of this passage, I want to talk about the final judgment. And I want to give some answers concerning this part of passage of scripture found in Revelation 20. And the first thing is this, answering a question, who's the judge sitting on the great white throne. First thing is this, Jesus is the judge. It says this in John chapter five, verse 22. In addition, the father judges no one. Instead, he has given the son absolute authority to judge. Acts 10, verse 42 says, and he ordered us to preach everywhere and testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be judge of all, the living and the dead. There is only one judge in all of the universe. 
and his name is Jesus. It is not going to be Muhammad. It is not going to be Buddha. It is not going to be Oprah Winfrey that is judging mankind and the eternal, right? Whatever other name you want to find and think, there is one judge at the end of time and his name is Jesus. And the Bible says that at that time, every knee will bow, every tongue confess, in heaven, above heaven, on earth and under earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we believe he will judge those who believed and also those who did not believe. And this leads to our next point, point two. Everyone will be judged. Everyone will be judged. Romans 14, 10. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. And just as, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Right? And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Let me say this, everyone, everyone will have to give an account for the life they lived. You and I here, you that are watching online, all the people around the world will have, to, will have to give an account for the life they chose, right? They chose to live. None of us will escape judgment. None of us will escape accountability for the life we chose to live. Jesus will, excuse me, judgment will come for the believer and the un. Believer, this leads to our third point. The great white throne judgment is only for the wicked at the end. Uh, this is something maybe you're not familiar with, so let's go back. Presently, right now, we are in what most Bible scholars and people that study eschatology call the church age, right? That means at any moment, the rapture of the church could happen. This is when Jesus, we talked about this, comes back to the earth and the followers of Christ, his followers, his disciples, go up in the air to meet him. Now understand this, and this is pretty exciting to you, to me, that are followers of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of prophecies that still have to happen that are recorded in the Bible, but there isn't another prophecy that has to happen before the rapture occurs. Like, let that sink in for just a second. There's a lot of prophecies that still have to happen before the end of time, before the second coming, but there isn't another prophecy that has to happen before the rapture of the church. And this is why I said last week that the wise way for you to live, right, found in Ephesians chapter five, don't be like the unwise, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity, right? The wise way for you and I to live would be to live our lives in a way that Jesus could come at any moment. After the rapture is the tribulation, and it'll be three and a half good years, three and a half horrific years. During this time, people can and people will get saved, but it's gonna be a real, if your plan is just to make it through the tribulation, think again. This is a dumb, stupid plan. Like, it is ignorant. Don't do that. Then is the second coming where Jesus comes back to earth with the saints and Jesus rules in the new Jerusalem for a thousand years. Give me just a second. Then the great white throne judgment happens. 
This is when Satan is thrown into the lake of fire, but this is also a global judgment, a judgment of condemnation for non-believers. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says this, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Not our good intentions, not what we meant to do, but what we actually did. And the Bible is really clear on this in Revelation 21, verse eight. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupts, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And this is the second death. Matthew 25, Jesus said this. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons and they will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous will go into eternal life. Understand this today, and this is what the Bible is saying, and this is not your pastor's opinion, this isn't a popular opinion, but understand there are two destinations that you can go to today. Which one you experience is your choice. And I love what Charles Spurgeon says about this. He says, your damnation is your election, not God's. So why talk about this? Why spend time on this? Because the reality of this topic is it's heavy, it's not enjoyable, and just sounds mean and harsh. But understand today, as we have a responsibility as followers of Christ, and I have a responsibility as a pastor, and we can't be a faithful follower of God and not speak of the reality of the eternal. We can't be a faithful follower of God and not speak of the reality of the eternal. A few years ago, I was playing a virtual reality game. You know, the ones where you put the goggles on. Um, it, there's, there's this place, main event, it's over on Highway 75 over by Tulsa Hills. And they have these four stations where you put these goggles on. And I'm playing this game with my, my youngest daughter, Chloe, and her friends. And we've got these guns and you're shooting zombies as they're running at you, right? And you are ignoring everybody else that is in main event and we start screaming and we're down on the ground and we're jumping and we're acting like complete total, this is what your pastor does during the week, um, acting like complete idiots and all of main event is like watching us and all this stuff and here's what happened. We got caught up in five minutes in a make pretend world, right? Like we had fun pretending that the world we were in was a zombie apocalypse that was happening and I was actually good at shooting a gun. That's not reality, right? Here, here's, and, and we, we kind of got out of reality and we're like, okay, now we gotta deal with the real world. And some of us, we don't wanna deal with reality. In fact, 40% of the US population doesn't want to believe in heaven and hell. And hear me, that's just not reality. That's not living in the real world. And I'm not doing my job as your pastor. And we aren't being faithful followers of God if we're not declaring the truth and speaking on the reality of the eternal in a real truthful and loving way. And a lot of us and a lot of our culture just wants to believe the fun parts and the feel good parts of the Bible, but, but not the full truth and the reality 
of what the Bible says when it comes to heaven and hell. I love what Jim Cimbala said. He says, when we see only what we wanna see in the Bible, it loses all power to transform us. And let's go back to our stat. 60% of Americans believe, 61% of Americans believe that there's a heaven and there's a hell. And almost 40% of our population doesn't believe that there's a heaven or hell. That means of the United States, 40% of us don't want to acknowledge the reality of the world or the world we're getting ready to live in. And this is a huge deal. And so here's a few things we need to understand about Jesus, about heaven, and about the reality of hell. First thing is this, Jesus led the way in talking about hell. Right, this, this is kind of, we don't talk about this a lot, but Jesus led the way in talking about hell. Jesus talked about hell more than he did heaven. He didn't just come here to tell us about all the good things, right? We love to say, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. It's one of my favorite verses, and that's true. It's absolutely true, but he also came to warn us about the reality of hell and the reality of not becoming a follower of his. And you're going to spend eternity in heaven or hell, one or the other. This is an either or destination. Not an everyone gets to go to heaven or a go to heaven option, right? Jesus talks about hell in Matthew chapter five, verse 22. In Matthew chapter eight, verse 12. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 41 through 42. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41 through 46. In Mark chapter nine, verse 43. And in John chapter three, verse 36. This is just some of the points, some of the gospels. There's a lot more that Jesus talked about the reality of hell. So understand, for the 40% that don't wanna believe that hell is real today, it doesn't matter if you want to believe it, we're at a place that we either believe all that Jesus said or none of it. We're either gonna believe what the Bible says and what it records or none of it, or what's gonna happen is we're gonna have a Thomas Jefferson Bible, right? Thomas Jefferson, one of our founding fathers, found that it was really hard to believe the miracles of Jesus. And so what Thomas Jefferson did is that he wrote his own Bible. And in that, you can order it on Amazon. It's called the Jefferson Bible. In that, the Gospels have no miracles recorded of what Jesus performed. I can't imagine the book of John. It's like three pages, right? Um, but it's just the teachings of Jesus because Thomas Jefferson was just like, oh, I just don't think I can, I can do that. I don't think I can believe that. And when we pick and choose, we're making our own truth, which is no truth at all. Hear me, you know who we're fooling? Ourselves. You know who we're deceiving? Ourselves. Now there's a huge demographic that when we kind of get to this point that we start asking this question, and maybe some of you, you get hung up on this, and you ask the question, well, why would a loving God send people to hell, Justin? Right, if God's so good, if God's so great, then why would a loving God send people to hell? There's been pastors that have, man, split their, their congregations because they didn't want to preach on the reality that hell is a real place, a real place that you can spend the rest of your eternity. There, there's books, love wins, right? Love's great, love does win, but also there's judgment. God's not just a loving God, he's a holy God, right? And we get hung up on, well, well, Justin, if God's so loving, why would he send people to hell? And C.S. Lewis nailed it. He said, a man can't be taken to hell or sent to hell, you can only get there on your own steam. Anytime I go on a road trip from my house, I live on a, at 121st around Highway 75 and we take off there, 
there's a massive choice, especially if we're leaving on a road trip in the morning, that we have to decide where we're going to breakfast at. Um, and right there, right there at 121st and Highway 75, there are two very, very attractive breakfast options. One of those is Chick-fil-A, the place of Jesus chicken, right? And there's Chick-fil-A, and if you've never had the spicy chicken biscuit in the morning, I'm about to change your life tomorrow, right? Go do it. I'm not telling you the calories aren't gonna be there, but they're worth it. There are some things in life that are worth it. The spicy chicken biscuit, oh my Lord, right? And you can choose wisely and go to Chick-fil-A or you can go to McDonald's. And, and hear me, I, I used to like McDonald's, right? I used to like the sausage biscuit or even the Egg McMuffin. The Egg McMuffin ain't bad, but hear me. When I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, I understand like a child. But when Chick-fil-A came my way, baby, like, like there was a new me, right? And, and there is, and here's the deal. You either reap the reward of Chick-fil-A or the consequence of eating not real food called McDonald's. Somebody owns a McDonald's in this place, right? You're like, I was thinking about tithing. Um, anyways, <laughs> rewards or consequences. And hear me, we're talking about Chick-fil-A and McDonald's. Can I tell you, we're talking about the eternal right now. And it's a way bigger deal. And there is something you are either going to enjoy the benefit of choosing a wise way of living your life or you're going to have to deal with the consequences of not believing, of not choosing. And I love what J. Vernon McGee said. He said, don't say that a loving God is going to send you to hell. He's not. The thing that's going to send you to hell is that you're a sinner and you don't want to admit it. Dang. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And the Bible's very clear on this. There is a cost and a price to choosing sin. The wages of sin is death. And if God didn't love you, and if God didn't love the world, and he didn't love humanity, he wouldn't have provided a way for you and I to experience eternal life with him in heaven in the first place. And there's either a price to pay or forgiveness to receive, and which one you experience is all up to your choice. And we love to quote John 3, 16 and 17, right? And it's so full of hope and so full of positivity, but listen to all the words of Jesus after verse 17, John 3, 16 through 19. For this is how God loved the world, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him, talking about Jesus, has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And if you have a personal relationship 
with Jesus. By that, I mean you've asked for forgiveness, right? You've experienced salvation from Jesus and Jesus alone. Then the simple reality is you're going to heaven to be with Jesus and the Lord for forever and ever and the saints forever, right? And the other option, if that is not what you're choosing, if you're not choosing to pray a prayer of forgiveness, of repenting for the life that you lived and turn away and grab hold of the life that he has and confess that he's your Lord and Savior, that it is Jesus and Jesus alone, and the only, the only other option is hell. And for us, the church, this is why it's important for us to have a correct and accurate view on heaven and hell. Because if we don't have a conviction of hell, we won't have a passion for the gospel. Right? If we don't have a conviction of hell, listen, why would we ever have a passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ that he came, that God sent his son into the world, that if you believe in him, you don't have to perish, but you can have everlasting life. And here's the warning and hope that I wanna leave with you today regarding the end, the rapture, the great white throne judgment in heaven and hell. Understand this today, good people don't go to heaven, forgiven people do. Man, this is such good news. Good people don't go to heaven because I wouldn't be there. All my Bible colleges professors would tell you, he doesn't get to go, right? Good people don't get to go to heaven. Forgiven people do. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, morality may keep you out of jail, but it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to keep you out of hell. We're a culture that believes you're basically good and that you can make yourself better, right? We're a self-help culture, but Romans 3 verse 10 says nobody is righteous. Romans 3.23 says all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. None of us can improve our own sinful condition. And if we don't realize we need forgiveness, if we don't realize we have a sin problem, even if we're a good person, if we don't realize we will never reach out for the solution and the answer to our problem, and that is to ask for forgiveness of our sins, to repent of the life we are living and confess Jesus as Lord. And here's the shocking stat from Pew Research Center that I haven't yet shared. Oh, excuse me. 40% of the U.S.'s population say people who don't believe in God can go to heaven. 40% of the United States believes that you don't have to believe in God, and it's way bigger than that, right? Let's, let's get on, and we'll get to that in just a second. 40%, that's, that's, a lot, that's almost half our nation. Believe, you don't have to even believe in God in order to go to heaven. And hear me, that's not true. That's not true. Acts 4 says this, for Jesus is the one referred to in scripture where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus said this in John 14 verse six, Jesus told him, I am the way, not a way, right? Not a, a good idea. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father. You don't get access to the Father except through me. If you have buy a ticket for Universal Studios and tomorrow you decide to go to Silver Dollar City, can I tell you, you can show up to Silver Dollar City, but they're not going to let you in. Why? Because you got a ticket to the wrong park, they're gonna be like, hey, sir, that ticket's not good for Silver Dollar City because you chose to get a ticket to Universal Studios, dummy. You bought it online. We are not owned by the same people. 
right? And you can get mad, you can get upset, but you're the one that chose to buy the ticket to Universal Studios instead of Silver Dollar City. Can I tell you, you can show up to the judgment seat. I don't recommend it. But you only get access through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved except by Jesus Christ. And that's the truth, and that's the gospel. The only way you're gonna experience eternal life in heaven and not hell is through a personal relationship with Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth and he's the life. And here's the great news for everyone that maybe you feel you've messed up too big. Maybe you feel you've messed up too much. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from all our unrighteousness. I'm closing with this. If you will confess your sins, if you'll choose to realize being a good person isn't enough. If you'll realize that just because you're a bad person doesn't mean you're disqualified from God's grace. If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us from all our unrighteousness. Let's go back to Lynette's story. Lynette was hooked on drugs. She got sober, she got clean, and then she started using again, she relapsed. She had been through hurt, she'd been through pain, been through regret and anger, and she said she was consumed in her addiction and that she was not a good person. But good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. And Lynette reached out and asked for forgiveness. And he was faithful to provide, man, whew, what she couldn't on her own. And hear me, if Lynette Man can experience forgiveness in Jesus Christ. If Jesus can forgive Lynette, I promise you if she was here today, she would say this, he can forgive you too. And in the words of Lynette, look for him. Look for him. Because he's right here. He's right there. And right now, you and I have a choice to make in this moment. Are we gonna make the most of this moment? Are we gonna miss it? Are you, gonna, are you gonna miss this moment? Making sure that you're right. Making sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Or are you gonna miss it? Are you gonna hope? I just I hope. Can I tell you, hope's a horrible strategy. Let's not hope something gets better. Let's take steps. Let's choose something to actually make our relationship with Jesus better. So today I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, we come before you today. And God, I, I pray that we would not miss the gravity, the bigness of this moment, right? God, don't, don't let us live in a make-believe world where we feel like everything's right and it's gonna be okay when we, we know, we know. God, it's not, and that we're not in a, in a place, we're not where we should be in our relationship with you. Some of us, 
we feel like we're disqualified. Some of us, we've covered it up and covered up addiction and covered up things. And as long as people don't know, then maybe we can squeak through. No, 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 no. God, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and you're just, you're capable of forgiving us from all our unrighteousness and showing us a better way to live. So God, I pray that we get really honest in this moment. God, that we would get really transparent in this moment and we would step into the life you want us to have. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. 